very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. It's time. Give yourself the gift of truth. And tonight we go behind the green mask and the United Nations Agenda 21 with our special guest, Rosa Corey, right now on Veritas. Activist, speaker, and blogger Rosa Corey is a forensic real estate appraiser specializing in eminent domain valuation. Her research into a fight against redevelopment led her to UN Agenda 21 and was the genesis to co-found the Santa Rosa Neighborhood Coalition, Democrats Against UN Agenda 21 and the Post-Sustainability Institute. She has been speaking and inspiring groups nationally to take action and she's the author of Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda 21. And directly from somewhere in Mexico, I'm privileged to welcome Rosa Corey. Hello, Rosa, and welcome to Veritas. So glad to be with you. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And Rosa, I told you that I've been wanted to discuss Agenda 2021 for some time, and I wanted you to be the one, because so far, you are the one who has convinced me the most of what's coming our way. First of all, for those who don't know who you are, just give, beyond what I read, give us a little bit more of a background and how you got to to find out what Agenda 21 was all about. Well, my situation is that uh, for 30 years, I was an expert witness and uh, in land use and land valuation for the California Department of Transportation. I was a district branch chief there and uh, testified in court on uh, on land situations. So I needed to understand how land could be used. And of course, that was my job. So about, uh, let's see, around 2002, I began to see a change in land use in the San Francisco Bay Area, where people who had um, expectations what their property could be used for based on their zoning were being turned away from the planning departments and told that they could not use their property as it was zoned. And at the same time, I was elected to an oversight committee for a redevelopment project, a huge project 10,000 acres in my city and um, as I began to research that I found that not only was it fraudulent based on fraudulent information 
but it seemed to be tied into everything that I had been discovering regarding land use and planning. So um, in the process, I did sue to stop this huge project. And while doing the research into uh, the lawsuit and the process that we went through to, to stop this project, um, I found United Nations Agenda 21 Sustainable Development was the background and the source for everything that I had been seeing over the past 10 years. And what was the the impression of the local you know, politicians when you found out and you brought it to their attention? Well, no, I, you know, as I look back on it now, I'm not surprised, but at the time, because I was myself, um, a, you know, a kind of a government official, I thought that I would be welcomed mm -hmm. when I, you know, when I showed these, um, uh, you know, either planning department people or elected officials that the plan that they were proposing had serious flaws. Um, instead, uh, they, they actually turned on me and, um, and attacked me personally. Um, including uh, articles in the newspaper about me that were uh, that were not true, you know, lies about me personally in my neighborhood, and these uh, these smears, you know, maybe uh, really take a look at who it was who was focusing in on me, and I saw that not only were these people um, in positions to gain from this enormous redevelopment project, but they were also tied in beyond that in a larger scheme, uh, whether it was through financial, political, or um, uh, some kind of social, environmental uh, means, they were being directed to, um, to actually push this plan on the citizens without them being aware of the, the, the implementation, the impl implications for it uh, in their town. And so I was, you know, basically an enemy. And uh, and was really surprised to see that I hadn't expected it. In a nutshell, the plan calls for governments to take control of all land use, and not leave any of the decision making in the hands of private property owners. Is that did I say that right? Well, that's yes, that's a quote from my from my book. Right. And, uh, Agenda Twenty One Sustainable Development is um, it's actually the blueprint. It's an action plan that was agreed to in 1992 by the United States and 178 other nations. And this is a plan that is really uh, fairly unknown in the United States and around the world. But uh, the plan is actually a plan to uh, inventory and control all resources and all human beings on the planet. And we're seeing that, of course, as the National Defense Authorization Act as smart growth, as smart grid, common core. All of these are part of United Nations Agenda 21 Sustainable Development. I'm so glad you're mentioning common core because I, I was going to ask you throughout the interview if there was any correlation between education and the standardizing of education. So I'm glad you mentioned it. I'd like to discuss it later. But in 1992, I was sent, I used to be in the corporate world years ago, and I was sent during NAFTA to Mexico to more or less be an equalizer between U.S. companies and Mexican companies there. Uh, in other words, they wanted to even the playing field. Is there a relationship between free trade agreements and Agenda 21? Oh, absolutely. The Trans-Pacific Partnership, 
the uh, transatlantic trade agreement, NAFTA, CAFTA, um, of course, the EU, the European Union, which started as the uh, coal and steel agreement. I think it was in 1955 or 56. Trade is uh, a way of of implementing this plan because what the plan is, what globalization really is, is the standardization of all systems. And in order to standardize systems, and that could be law enforcement, education, um, transportation, all systems uh, are in order to uh, to globalize fully, they have to be brought into harmonization with one another. That's a legal term having to do with the way that laws and um, and agreements are formed. So in order to control, you have to have everything standardized, and that's what we're seeing now. For instance, with Common Core or with um, uh, the International Building Codes, for instance. Um, and part of that is because this is a corporate plan. This is a global totalitarian corporatocracy that is being erected now. So yes, um, NAFTA, CAFTA, uh, TPP, Transatlantic Trade Agreement, these are all implementation methods for creating this plan worldwide. This is a global plan, and although you won't very seldom see the term Agenda 21, um, it is, in fact, Agenda 21 worldwide, and Agenda 21 is the uh, term used by the United Nations. It's the agenda for the 21st century, as they call it. And TPP will require its own full radio program in the near, in the near future. If you think NAFTA was bad and some of the others are bad, this is even worse. And I've heard that a lot of the officials met behind closed doors. Not even the media was allowed to go in there. Can you talk about TPP for a moment if you, if you are versed about it? Yeah, Trans-Pacific Partnership is, um, is a plan that is... Um, you know, it's a, it's a secretive plan. It's, it's being, you know, it's sort of being worked on for the last, it's been being worked on for the last decade, more or less. Uh, it's the United States and 11 Pacific Rim nations. Um, and it corresponds to the transatlantic trade agreement, which is, uh, with Europe and the United States. Um, these plans are all basically the same plan. They're designed to transcend international uh, excuse me, transcend national law with international agreements. And uh, the fast track that um, the Obama administration is uh, is seeking would actually give the president even more power than the president has now um, to, uh, to make agreements, excuse me, without going to Congress. So this is something that we really want to block. The uh, fast track needs to be blocked. But the Trans-Pacific, uh, the uh, Transatlantic Trade Agreement and the uh, TPP, um, along with, of course, the, um, let me see if I can remember what the, uh, the, the one between U.S. and Mexico, besides NAFTA, it's the, it was the Security and uh, Prosperity right. Partnership, wasn't that, between yep. Canada, U.S. and Mexico. These plans are all, you know, this is just uh, what we're seeing because we happen to be, if we are in the United States or in the, in the West, but these plans are all over the world and they're all designed to globalize. And uh, as the big new Brzezinski said, um, I think he said this in 1995, he, you'll recall he was the um, national security advisor to uh, President Carter, right. among other things. He, um, he said, you know, you can't have full globalization in one step, you have in the interim is regionalization. 
And that's what we're experiencing now, regionalization. That's what these trade agreements are really about, is about establishing regions. And so we'll have regions within our national borders, and then national borders will be breached with international agreements that are as initially trade agreements like the coal and steel agreement was in the, e the EU, which is the European Union. Now it's, I think, 28 countries um, that have basically given their sovereignty over to the uh, European Commission. You know, when we look at the United States, we think of its middle class or what it used to be, the middle class, which seems to be less and less more prevalent today. This seems to be a way to lower the standard of living of Americans because it seems to be the last bastion if you compare it to other countries. Is this just plainly a redistribution of wealth in order to go from regionalizing to more of a worldwide equalization of the world, mixing, let's say, communist China, the former Soviet Union, and Nazi Germany with its police state? Mm -hmm. Well, an easy way to think about this, a good way to think about it, <clears throat> so that it doesn't, um, you know, one of the things that's very, uh, that sort of appeals to the press when they're trying to slime and malign people like me, um, is they, you know, they'll just say that we're fear mongering. Um, I just want to address that by saying that uh, before Snowden, uh, you might have said that people were just paranoid thinking about, um, you know, that they're, that they're spying upon. Yeah, that their information might be might be tracked or that domestic surveillance was a reality or something like that. Well, now it's after Snowden, post Snowden, you'd be a fool to acknowledge to to not acknowledge that. Um, I, th I would say that the lid is being held on uh, the issue of United Nations Agenda 21 sustainable development um, so that people will, um, you know, have some doubt in their mind as to whether or not this is actually happening. But the idea that um, this is a global blueprint. It's being implemented locally um, and that people around the world are being impacted by it is, is very real. And, um, in re uh, you know, ask me again what it was that you were directly questioning me on just a moment ago. No, basically saying that this, this seems to be a combination of communist China the mm, former okay, Soviet Union right. and Nazi Germany. Right. Yeah. Well, this is what this is, is communitarianism. And uh, in the United States, we, of course, we have a constitution that guarantees us our individual rights. And those are our rights to, you know, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, et cetera, and all the, uh, the, our, our rights under the uh, Bill of Rights as well. But, under the uh, community, under communitarian law, basically the individual um, is sort of superseded by the amorphous and ever-changing rights of the so-called community. And in this case, we're talking about the global community. But um, you could be talking about your if you're talking if you're in your town, of course, you're talking about your town community. And so that that is you know, an, it's not anything delineated. It can change at any time. This is where the United States, uh, you know, Constitution protects our individual rights. It doesn't, it doesn't grant them. It guarantees our protection. And uh, with communist China, uh, Soviet Union, and Nazi Germany, what you had was uh, communitarian 
rule, which was it's all for the common good. And uh, the individual is selfish. The individual is always outweighed by the rights of the greater community. And since those rights are, you know, not written anywhere and not defined by anyone except for who it, whoever it is who's ruling you, then um, the individual always loses. So this is the concern here is that, um, and, you know, we can bring it right down into everyone's town, um, the plan is created to be a global plan, but implemented locally. So when you see it locally, it's not called Agenda 21. You'll see it as a land use plan in your town, uh, as a restrictive plan, determining uh, what can happen in your town physically. And this is a way to uh, restrict your rights, both your rights to movement, your rights to free speech, and your right to live and work where you wish, as well as your right to use your land, water, and uh, you know, and any other resources, your mineral rights, etc. Where is this hydra? Because I think it's going to become another hydra pretty soon. Where is it deriving its power from? Obviously, it has to be money. Is it coming a lot from property taxes? Mm -hmm. Well, the way uh, let let me just uh, take this back a step, and let's just you know to kind of talk about how a, you know what happened after the United Nations meeting in 1992, um, the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro, where the U.S. and 178 other nations agreed to this plan. It's an actual plan, by the way. It's a 300, 400-page plan. Um, what happened at that time was that, and you'll see this, if you go to Wikipedia or, you know, other websites uh, to, to check out United Nations Agenda 21, you'll see that it's a non-binding voluntary plan. And that is true. Uh, and you'll, you'll hear from, you know, the press that, uh, you know, the UN has no power over the United States, et cetera. The fact is that after the, the uh, agreement was, was agreed to, it's not a treaty, it was an agreement. After it was agreed to by the United States, the following year, it was agreed to by George H.W. Bush. And the following year, Clinton took office. And six months later, on the anniversary, of the agreement in uh, you know in Jan in June of 1992. So in June of 1993, President Clinton created the President's Council on Sustainable Development, and that council was basically tasked with implementing Agenda 21 in the United States, and that's exactly what it did because on the council was um, this was a conglomeration of um, cabinet ministers, cabinet officials. So it was 10 cabinet level secretaries from the federal government, along with environmental groups like the Sierra Club and the Natural Resources Defense uh, Council. And then along with them, many uh, corporations like Enron, for instance, Ken Lay was on the President's Council on Sustainable Development and, uh, and other um, you know, other corporations. So like Dow Chemical and, you know, uh, the oil companies were on there. So this is what happened is that it put together a, a group of people who could implement Agenda 21 in the United States. And that was their plan was was implemented in the U.S. It's a top down plan, but it masquerades as uh, a local plan. So when you see it in your town, it's directly influenced by this international plan. And what they did was they 
they gave a um, multi-million dollar grant to the American Planning Association. And they said, hey, can you guys come up with a way for us to get this into every city and town in the U.S.? And they did. They came up with a book called Growing Smart, Legislative Guidebook with Model Statutes for Planning and the Management of Change. And that's model statutes. So your laws in your small towns and your big cities are coming out of a box that is um, actually designed. It's an international plan. So it's designed, these laws and these rules and regulations are designed to create these mega cities that are the same all over the world and to regionalize us so that we break jurisdictional boundaries and lose representative government. That is the goal of the plan. So what happens to the suburbs? Well, the idea is to get people out of rural and suburban areas and into the mega regions, into the huge mega cities where they can be managed, controlled, and surveilled, or where you can be managed, controlled, and surveilled. So, um, so the idea, you know, of course, it's not just going to be a big herding of people out of the out of the sub suburbs because you know that's that'd be a little too um, obvious and maybe co confrontational. The idea of the plan is to get the people to think that it's their plan and it's sourced in the people so that there's no dissent. Uh, this is, you know, the design is to have the new consensus, which is a neutralization of opposition. And uh, so to get you out of the suburbs and the rural areas, um, new plans are imposed, new land use plans are imposed on the suburban and, and rural areas so that uh, rural development cannot can no longer happen. Uh, you know, you can't in the San Francisco Bay Area, for instance, the lawsuit that we have filed now is Trump. We are trying to block this plan that would allow zero development of anything but agricultural development in in the rural areas. No houses, nothing out there. You want a house on your 10 acres? Forget it. So um, that's a that's a zoning thing. In the cities, in the rural uh, or suburban areas, you might have uh, restrictions on your ability to travel by putting vehicle miles travel taxes on you, by um, pulverizing your roads and turning them to gravel, as is happening in counties that say that they aren't able to pave roads anymore, um, stopping sheriff service, stopping school, uh, school service out in the suburban and rural areas, closing off water. Uh, monitoring wells, restricting, uh, you know, maybe not paying rural doctors as much as you pay urban doctors, uh, not having Medicare out in the rural and suburban areas. This is, um, this is something that we're seeing all across the nation, but because it's happening town by town, people don't recognize that this is a worldwide plan. It's the same everywhere. You know, at face value, some people may say, well, Mel, I don't see a problem with that. In the 1800s and early 1900s, people were living in, in uh, cities, and there was the electric car as the mass transportation mechanism. Then the Model T came along. The automobile industry appeared, and suburbia sprawled, and then everybody started driving, you know, far away to suburbia. So it seems that we're coming back to where we used to be, but with a different agenda, an agenda of control. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, like I say, I mean, it's I, I happen to live in a big city myself. I like big cities personally. Um, it's not 
it's not about whether I want to live in a in an apartment on top of a shop myself. It's choice. It's the ability to make the decision right. yourself. But when you are seeing that whole town centers are being rezoned to transit village or transit oriented development, which means that you can't you can't just build a small commercial building there. You can't build a house. You have you can't even build a small apartment building. You have to build mixed use ground floor retail with one or two or more stories of residential on top of that built right to the edge of the sidewalk, a specific building style, specific building design. And the reason for this is that mobility needs to be restricted. Um, the idea is that, you know, of course, this, the uh, sustainable development mantra is that we're using up nature and that we need to, um, you know, we need to be restricted in our use of natural resources. We need to be restricted in our ability to move freely because we're using up uh, we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, producing too many greenhouse gas emissions and we're using up nature. So the idea is that we'll take public transportation and we'll live in the center of a core city so that, um, you know, we, we don't need to take private vehicles anywhere. The idea is, you know, it could be a nice one. The thing is, is that what's happening is that this plan is appealing to people who are concerned about, um, you know, environmental issues. They're concerned about um, the possibility that they might be polluting and they want to restrict, you know, they don't want to pollute. This is fine, but what's happening is that your ability to live in the suburbs, if you wish, is being restricted because you are being, you'll be penalized for driving a personal vehicle. Um, the idea that your schools can be, uh, um, you know, you'll have multiple schools out in the suburban areas to choose from is uh, is ending, will be ending uh, with, you know, charter schools, vouchers, uh, schools won't be able to plan financially, local schools won't have control. Um, the, the entire thing is designed to move people into mega regions and uh, private property ownership is an obstacle to this. When you when you're rooted in private property, mo many people in suburbs own their own land. They own their own house. Um, when you have ownership in something, you have more interest in it. You're more concerned about it. You're more involved in it. If you're living in an apartment in the center of the city, you're much less likely to be interested in what city plans are for specific land use and land ownership. And this is one thing that we see all across the United States and the world is that the less people who own private property and small businesses, the less people there are to care when um, our ability to open small businesses or to own private property is restricted and reduced. So when suburbia appeared, it created a, a boom for the oil industry. But Agenda 21, if it restricts the use of, say, fossil fuels, isn't this going against the controllers? Is it because the financial model we use today will be made obsolete? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing is that, um, you know, when you think about huge mega corporations, and I'm not talking about small small corporations, I'm talking about the mega corporations. Transnational, corporations, sure. Right, you know, the ExxonMobil, the big corporations. What major corporations are looking for um, are, you know, is, is fairly basic. What they're looking for is, um, a level, you know, playing field for them across the world, which means, uh, 
less restrictions, less legal restrictions, less, uh, um, you know, impediments to moving goods across the world. They want uh, everyone to be able to purchase their goods and they don't want to pay high wages. So, um, among other things, they also want to kill competition and, uh, and own innovation. So one of the, you know, so that's, of course, that's part of why you see so many major corporations funding universities. They're using them to solve their problems and also to own, so they can own innovation that comes up. But um, one of the things that you'll see, of course, with major corporations is that they want to open new markets. And um, so if, a, if, you know, if the more developed nations ha are, are brought down lower because the, you know, the what's happening is that they want to pay lower wages so of course that will restrict our ability to purchase goods we won't be have as much disposable income but the uh, lesser developed nations will be brought up so that they can move markets you know develop markets in those lesser developed nations and open up the markets of uh, the BRIC countries um, you know Brazil Russia India China so that um, that those countries will find that their economies are more developed while the you know so-called uh, you know higher developed nations are brought down lower so that our expectations for um, retirement for uh, for disposable income are reduced so that our wages are reduced and yes our buying power will be reduced but measured against the entire world and this remember is a global plan um, all of that will uh, you know will certainly uh, come out as a plus for the major corporations. I mean, I think a prime example of a beta test is Walmart. Walmart mm -hmm. killed all the, you know, small shops that you and I probably were used to shopping when we were kids. Now they're gone. And people, of course, they buy because they, quote unquote, save money. But now that they're the only player, eventually they'll take control and they'll keep the prices the way they want. Is the same model being applied here to the rest? Yeah, that's right. Walmart's Walmart's a perfect example of sort of the China, the China model. Right. Um, and, you know, especially I happen to be um, in Mexico at the moment. Um, I, I've been speaking around the world and I'm in Mexico right now. And, uh, you know, when you think about some guy out in the street selling chiclets or something is a threat to Walmart. Um, the idea, and when I saw Sam's Clubs opening up here and, uh, you know, Walmarts, et cetera, um, I said, well, this is, you know, this is going to devastate. Eventually, we'll destroy the small, you know, the small subsistence person, the people who are just, you know, the small entrepreneurs, the people who are at the bottom, who are able to survive and feed their families and live and have, you know, have a life. Those are people who are, you know, not only is the middle class being being destroyed by this plan, but the you know the plan is is essentially it's a corporate plan. It's a plan to um, create it's neo feudalism basically. So what it does is it creates a, a super class, an uber class, a class of extremely wealthy people, um, and and then people who are poor. And not only that, but poor and dependent. So it creates, it takes away independence and creates dependence on government. And when you create that kind of dependence on government programs, then you're able to, with just a stroke of the pen, create total chaos uh, when people are no longer receiving the benefits they had uh, come to depend on. 
And I find it interesting that, you know, like you, I go to Mexico quite frequently and I go to the Sam's and, and, and so on. But I, I find it uh, pathetic that the products that they sell there are two, three, four times more expensive than here in the United States. So if you think that in Mexico they have a very tough time affording things, I don't know how they are able to make it with those prices down there, but that's a, a different story. You mentioned organizations like the Sierra Club and others. I know most of these people who work at these organizations have the, the best intentions at heart, most people, not the ones on the top. Do they know they're being used to promote this agenda? You know, it's very interesting that you ask me that because um – the plans uh, that I'm talking about, the land use plans in specific, um, you know, that you'll see all over the United States now, um, and you'll see if you're, you know, you'll see it as um, it's a regional plan. You'll see it as your town 2020, your town 30, 2035, something like that. Whatever your town name is, it might be called Vision something, uh, Horizon something. Uh, our plan, our future. These are the names for these plans, and they're mainly land use plans. Um, they're being pushed by envir environmental groups along with the American Planning Association, which is actually uh, working with the consultants that are hired by your town to uh, to create these transportation and land use plans for your town. Um, one of the things that you know your your question is: Do are people aware that you know of the the larger plan? Oftentimes they are not, but you would be surprised how many people are actually trained as change agents. Uh, and that is what they call themselves. That's what they're trained as. They're organizational trainers who are training uh, people to be change agents. And that term change, when Obama started using that in the first election, um, that has a meaning for people who are keyed in with all of this. Um, and I don't mean to, you know, sound like cloak and dagger, something ridiculous. This is not a ridiculous plan. This is a very well thought out plan. It's, uh, you know, it's not a hidden plan. It's not a secret plan. This information is available from the source. I'm not talking about, you know, my opinion. I'm talking about source documentation. Um, change agents are people who are there to, uh, to do second order change, to uh, to actually create change that is irreversible, transformational change, and this is of course in all systems. This is how uh, globalization is is made possible is by um, major, um, uh, totally disruptive change across all systems. Now, people who work for these uh, groups, like uh, the International Council on Local Environmental Initiatives, or the Sierra Club, or in the Natural Resources Defense Council, or the World Wildlife Fund, or the Center for Global Justice, or any number of groups like this, um, and who, that are mainly uh, left-affiliated, um, uh, but not all, certainly, you know, the Heritage Foundation, I mean, many right-wing groups are also uh, you know, fully aware of what they're doing. They What they do is they take advantage of people who have been educated in the educational system um, to believe that they're doing good, that sustainable development is a good thing, and that they're saving the planet. Um, in fact, what they're doing is they're using um, a mind control technique that was actually developed by the Rand Corporation in the 1950s, post-World War II, 
to uh, to bring people to. It's designed to you know bring you into a meeting or into a group or you know with another individual. The Delphi. To, yes, the Delphi method, which is actually designed to bring you to a predetermined outcome while giving you the impression that you got it all up yourself. It was all your idea. And uh, and that you're great. You're such a good person. Eager. You're, you know, you're so cool. You're fabulous. Aren't you great? Yeah. And, you know, and this this and this is uh, throughout all strata of society. It's it, it goes all the way down to your local neighborhood association. It goes into your school board. It's, you know, it's people who are just like you, who, um, you know, teachers, your kids, teachers, people who are taking these courses, who are being trained. Um, to uh, as change agents and to implement a, a Agenda 21 sustainable development worldwide, it's necessary to have people like this. Uh, they might just be, you know, organizational people in at the company you work at. You know, these are people who are largely are unaware that of the part that they're playing, but they're essential to making this thing go. So they're being used as pawns, obviously. Mm-hmm. But now, you know. But, but I mean, as long as you, the thing is, this is manufactured consensus. Yeah. It's behavioral modification, and uh, and and of course, it's essential to give you the sense that you're really smart and that you're really cool and you're really great and you're doing such a good thing. And aren't you wonderful? Thank it, you so much. And you are responsible for the success of this project and this agenda. Yeah, right. Now, the eco- economy, ecology, and social equity—the three E's. This is essentially social engineering isn't it mm-hmm. yeah that's right these are the three e's this is this these are what's uh what the this is a very serious plan it takes itself very seriously and it calls these are the three pillars of sustainable development um social environmental and economic pillars so this is a and uh, there's a fourth pillar which no one uh very few people know about and that is culture um, but the way these uh, so-called pillars are used is, is to show you that they all must be in balance in order to have sustainable development. And this is where social equity comes in. This is, uh, you know, all the people who are out there who are working diligently and seriously and with, you know, uh, great concern for uh, women's rights, for children's rights, for, you know, people who are uh, immigrants, the poor. All of this is great, you know. This is, but the thing is, is the goal is to, um, to in order to control the huge segment of the population in the United States that would resist this plan, which is really, um, it's about redistribution of wealth, and it's about, it's actually a total upheaval of everything. This is what second order change is. Change that cannot be reversed and that is almost 180 degrees away from what it was the you know situation that you had previously. So anything that disrupts the existing order of things is is welcomed by this kind of a program, this plan. So the reality is that there's no real concern about women's rights or about children's rights, but anything that disrupts the existing order. So in other words, if you slap your kid in public and your child then can be taken away from you because you have abused it, um, this, you know, this is where systems have gotten so completely extreme that children in school at the age of six are being uh, sent to uh, actually being 
not quite jailed, but there's a federal movement, a plan afoot to actually have children in school responsible to the federal government, to the criminal court system, if they sexually harass one another. A child of six, if a child of six harasses another child sexually, which by that meaning, um, you know, hey, you look cute, baby, or something yeah. like that. So what I'm talking Jeez. about is things that don't, you know, as I say, if it sounds crazy, it's Agenda 21. If it sounds like something that just couldn't possibly be true, it's Agenda 21. This is how this is implemented. This is the way it works. And you mentioned, you know, if somebody sees a parent uh, abusing physically of a child, but what about a parent that takes the kid to school and the kid uh, is a little bit uh, obese, uh, you know, overweight. That's uh, another reason why they might take that child away from the parents. Yeah, more and more things are becoming crime and more and more situations are, are placing uh, people in vulnerable situations. Uh, for instance, you know, you can be at your office and make some kind of a joke. Uh, that, you know, you know, I mean, something that really is fairly innocuous. But if someone overhears you, you can be, uh, you know, grieved for a sexual harassment charge. Um, the, the plan itself, I mean, the people who are really pushing the plan really are sort of humorless. Um, people are concerned with um, being able to financially be financially remunerated. Now, I happen to be... Um, I'm a lesbian. I'm I'm on the left. I'm a Democrat. Um, I'm you know not the classic person who would be talking about United Nations Agenda 21 Sustainable Development. Um, but I'm also aware that the left is unwilling, um, unwittingly um, going along with this plan through you know just because it it's very close to the worldview of people on the left, and it's a very appealing plan. But what happens is it actually is is people are being used. People who are generally people who would imagine themselves to be alert, aware, intelligent people are actually being manipulated and used in order to implement this plan. Which makes it even more peculiar because you say that you put yourself in the left, but at the same time, Agenda 21 is non-partisan. I think oh. this is all a matter of control and this illusion of left and right that we have here that continues to separate you know, each other will never be able to succeed if we continue that left-right paradigm, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that I've spent the last three years or so speaking to, you know, mainly being invited around the country by uh, Tea Party groups, Republican groups, Libertarians, yeah. yes. uh, you know, conservatives, and um, vilified by the left. You know, uh, it, it's quite interesting. I, you know, I, of course, I'd love to be on Rachel Maddow's show. I, you know, Amy Goodman, I'll be on her show anytime. I've been on Glenn Beck's show, on Alex Jones's oh. show. The thing is, is that um, the left-right paradigm is being used. We are being used. Um, and of course, you know, gay people are being used. The, uh, you know, to if any, as I said, anything that breaks the existing order is uh, is is a lever to destroy the existing the existing system. So that it because you can't replace it until you've destroyed it. So um, you know, the illusion of acceptance of gays. You know, uh, for instance, you know, I happen to be married to my partner. Um, and I'm glad to get the rights that uh, that 
you know, that straight people have. That's terrific. But what I do understand is that um, this is also a, this was also used as a, a manipulation of um, of people who who did not understand that they were actually being used to break through and activate the right wing so that they would come out um, for George Bush in the year that he was running. Um, the thing is, is that we, you know, as long as we keep going back and forth like a ping pong, ping pong ball, we're not going to take a stand together and look at what's really happening, which is the globalization of the world. And what that means is a loss of personal rights. You know, you're not going to have your gay rights or any rights when this whole plan is totally implemented because the plan is a very restrictive totalitarian plan. This is mere, we are merely in the, the process right now of being able to create the framework for the full implementation of it. And that's why things look the way that they do now where you're concerned that, you know, who's going to be listening to what you're saying on your phone? What is the National uh, Defense Authorization Act implementation for you as an individual? How is the smart grid going to be implemented? What is Common Core? All these things are part of a way to control every aspect of our lives and to, uh, dis to, to completely disorient us so that we are... In, we're we're at our, each other's throats, and we're in a position where we don't really know where to turn. This is part of the way the plan is implemented. You know, I'm scratching my head because I hear you say that you've been on Alex Jones and and Glenn Beck. You know, more more conservative, you know, outfits. And I even have a cousin who's a, uh, you know, doctorate degree from Stanford, conservative. She organized one of your appearances in, in Florida, and they absolutely love you there. But at the same time, I don't see the left embracing your message the same way the right is doing it. Why is that? Yeah, well, it's funny. Um, you know, it's not really funny. It's It, it was it used to disappoint me. Now, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not at all surprised. Um, it's as I said, you know, um, you have to really, well, first of all, the corporate media, I don't care if you're NPR or what you are, you know, they're getting corporate funding too. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look at the corporate funding for National Public Radio or for uh, Public Broadcasting System, PBS, it's all uh, uh, implementers of the plan. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, being uh, vilified by the left, um, like Mother Jones or Huffington Post, who, you know, done pieces on me, or Southern Poverty Law Center, which did, just did a, an attack. Um, it's the real reason, I think, is because the plan, it's necessary uh, to show it as any opposition as being real right wing conservative, because that way the left is then, oh, it completely dismisses it. Yeah. You know, that's what happens when you're on the left and you look at something in Mother Jones and it trashes the right wing idiots for being into Agenda 21. You're like, ah, that's nothing to look at. You know, it's some crazy stuff. You know, and, but someone like me, and I don't even think there is anyone else, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, being on the left myself with plenty of years of cred my whole life, I, you know, got plenty of good history of, you know, being solidly on the left, um, becoming aware and awake and speaking out about this, it's a real uh, slap in the face, I think, to people who are uh, trying to push this as a left-right thing, because that's what I'm saying. It's not a left-right thing. This is a totalitarian plan. Left-right just disappears completely. This is, um, you know, it's, it's basically left-right is being used to divide the country. And by placing myself out there and, uh, you know, as a person on the left, 
attacking this, it, it kind of fragments that argument for them. And I, I'm sure it's, you know, I, I know they're not pleased. At least we have the illusion of choice right now. But if, if and when this is implemented, then that illusion of choice disappears because there won't be any choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the whole the whole concept is about um, it's about not only is it about neutralization of opposition and neutralizing enemies. It's about it's not it's not even about thought crime. It's about making it not possible for you even to have the thought. And that's what the plan is really about. And that's where education comes in, actually, is, um, you know, because regardless of what it's not what you're being taught, it's how you're being taught and the, and um, and what you're being um, what you're being monitored and assessed on. And that's the way education is designed now. It's designed as a delivery system for this plan. And what my cousin tells me is that they plan to put uh, laptops in every classroom and they want to connect the laptops to the child's or a hand or finger. And depending on what they're, seeing, what they're seeing on the computer, for example, if they see a child sees a gun and gets excited about it, all of a sudden, 10, 15 years down the road, he or she won't be able to get a gun because of that thought that's been recorded at that point in time. So they're collecting data at a young age with this common core. Well, um, you know, this is something, um, now I'm, you know, I'm not going to speak to what you just said because I don't, you know, I haven't heard about, I haven't heard exactly that. What I do know about is that, you know, in fact, um, for instance, Google has just, uh, has tested a vehicle that, um, has sensors in the steering wheel so that, um, if you get into the car and you're agitated or you're upset about something, the car just won't start. Mm -hmm. Um, you might have, um, virtual reality where, um, you know, where you're wearing a headset that tests your response, uh, uh, to situations that then, uh, records that response. You might have children who are using games, for instance, uh, handheld game toys electronic that um that actually it's like a fingerprint the way that they use the game i'm not even talking about using their actual fingerprint i'm saying that the way that they play the game the their movements that uh, relate to the synapses in their brain and are actually uh um identifiable like a signature so, yes it's a signature um you might have uh someone who's you know on a computer um you know that little camera thing in your computer tracking your eye so that um you know through biometrics your eye can be uh it, what you look at and what excites your eye can be uh recognized and recorded um things like that are happening now that's not you know something in the future um so uh this is one thing about schools and uh computers is that course this is direct instruction and what that means people might think the term direct instruction means that a teacher's up there directly instructing you that's not what direct instruction is direct instruction you're looking at right now um, your computer is directly instructing you and nothing comes between you and that computer and when you um, you know let's say you get the you know you're on multiple choice or whatever you get the wrong answer and you're gonna go back like a monkey through that thing until you get the answer right <laughs> That's direct instruction. It's training. This is not about uh, developing a thinking human being. Uh, this is about training you so that you will respond. Now, that's the other thing about games, electronic games, is that it's t teaching what it's teaching the body is to respond without thought. Uh, you know, and that's what you want with a soldier. 
that's what you want with um you know with people who are who are you know basically designed to do a task you want no question that they're going to do that task that you'll, they'll do immediately and as instructed and this is part of what is you know everybody's like oh i want my kid to have a computer you know this is so cool to have these computers in the classroom oh we you know obviously we're like way more uh, financially stable because every one of our children has a computer from the t age of two you know this is so it's an elitist thing in concept see this is where you're tricked by it manipulated because really what it is is it's a direct instruction box it's a it's a bee of skinner box it's a way to modify and manipulate your behavior that's what it's designed to do you have just given my daughter's iPad a new name, the BF Skinners. <laughs> I'm gonna have to limit the time that you we hardly we, we limit the time and the usage, but now with what we're talking about, I am gonna be more watchful about this. But is this why we have such a short attention span, especially in, in our youth today? I mean, I remember growing up, my dad would sit down and watch the, the news and the person would take their time reading the news. Now it's just like 10, 15 minute snippets. If it's more than that, you turn off or you change the channel because we want an immediate, as you say, respond without a thought. Is this why? Mm -hmm. Well, the idea of reading, first of all, um, you know, uh, Hitler wasn't the only one to burn books. Uh, books, books, the, of course, the fabulous thing about a book is that you can you can spend the afternoon with someone who's been dead for 300 years mm -hmm. or or 500 years and have a fabulous time and really you know develop your thoughts and think about you know I mean this is what it means to be a um, you know civilized human being is to be able to think and uh, to be able to make value judgments for yourself. Um, one of the things that's really a danger is, of course, having, uh, you know, the, po the potential of uh, other thoughts interrupting or getting in the way of the thoughts that are being directed to people. And uh, one thing that I find really concerning is the idea that there would just be electronic books and nothing else because you can remove them from a database or change mm. them. And uh, a paper book, you know, I, I'm sure probably when you were in high school, maybe you, you read or junior high, you read Fahrenheit 451. Sure. Uh, you know, the book, Ray Bradbury, I think it was Ray Bradbury wrote that about uh, the burning of books, you know, any, any books that were subversive. And the, the problem with this, of course, you know, and we go back to National Defense Authorization Act and the concept that, you know, you're actually hiding from your government, which is bizarre to a lot of people thinking that they've done nothing wrong. They've been, you know, done everything right, paid their taxes, etc. And what's wrong with reading some website? And now they find out they can't get on a plane or something. Um, you know, the idea that, uh, that our Constitution guarantees our right of free speech, of free thought, of assembly, of ability to express ourselves without fear of our government. And now, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself, after Snowden, where are we? Uh, you know, when we're in a position where the New York Times, uh, you know, publisher, editors say, uh, you know, listen, we, you know, we, we just can't tell you the truth anymore. We don't, because we don't want to expose ourselves to jail time. Um, then you have to ask yourself, what is it that you're looking at? What do you know is true? And when you know, of course, that, you know, there's, there are all kinds of plans to create, um, uh, virtual reality with holograms so that you can't even tell if a person is actually there in the room with you or if it's a projection, then you don't even trust your own senses. So, 
I think we're really going to a sort of a brave new world. And um, I think at this time, it's very important for us to refuse to collaborate with this plan. Uh, it's happening very quickly. And just, and the fact is that, uh, and we go back to Nazi Germany, um, the fact that it can happen, that it is electronically possible, does not mean that it should happen. And uh, this is something that it, it should be morally debated in our country, in our world, and it is not. Um, Hitler would have gone much farther if he hadn't have gotten assistance from IBM. IBM. IBM assisted him at the time as much as they could. They created the uh, electronic computer systems for Hitler so that he could um, uh, track the census and so that he could determine where people were going, which camps they were going to, what, what their um, uh, ethnicity was, what their religion was. And so this could be tracked. But there's far more electronic capability than there ever has been in the past. And this is a real concern. We are vulnerable. And we need to call a halt to this. We need to, you know, we need to refuse to collaborate, if nothing else, refuse to go along with this plan by refusing what may be very convenient for you. It's difficult, but you can do it. Problem is that as the media continues to merge, and I believe from from six, it will be five major companies will be responsible for the propaganda, the the information that we all receive. They're crafting public opinion. So if this is part of the agenda, how difficult is it for those people who are who are still tapped into their subliminal tubes via the mediaopoly to react to what we're saying? But you know what? I had a real estate colleague uh, a long time ago who had a goal of not using paper. He wanted the entire real estate cycle to be from beginning to end online without having to use a piece of paper, which I thought was very noble. And here in the studio, I have hundreds and hundreds of books. I'm running out of space. And the thought comes along every so often, me thinking, you know, maybe all books should be online. But after what you just said, if history is written by the winners, the same winners, if given the technology and the law to limit, say, printing books, talk about changing everything the culture, the, the information that's available to everybody if you cannot get books in the future. That's mm -hmm. a scary thought. Yeah, I even, you know, my book is uh, Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda 21. My book is available on Kindle and Nook. And I really thought about, uh, you know, I personally don't have a, a Kindle or a Nook, and I, and I really thought about not making it available like that. And then I, you know, there was just so much demand for it that I did. But, you know, of course, it's a print book. And um, and I think, uh, you know, that's just a personal comment. But I think it's very important that we recognize that knowledge needs to be saved. Knowledge needs to be preserved. Um, the largest library in the world was Alexandria. Burned. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then, you, you know, then you have the Dark Ages. You're in a position where you... you you know, there aren't people there who remember how things went. Who There are people now, you know, who are uh, all of us, you know, those of us who are in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s are going to die and young people will not know. The, 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 you know, if you're a fish swimming in a, in a filthy pond, you won't, you know, you won't know what it's like to swim in crystalline water. And it's up to us to preserve that. And, um, and, and that's what we're doing here is we are, you know, we're, this is alternative media. And the reality is that 
every human being is an alternative media person. All of us are responsible for getting this information out to each other. This is the best thing that we can do is to educate ourselves and, and each other. And I do want to say that, you know, um, we do have a website which does have flyers on it. And one of the most effective ways to get this information to people is uh, as a piece of paper on their doorstep early in the morning when they come out to, you know, pick up their paper. They pick up this piece of paper that says, why is everyone talking about sustainable development? And, you know, what's, what's wrong with UN Agenda 21? And they pick up this piece of paper and they read it and uh, in the privacy of their home. And uh, so I encourage people to go to our websites, um, DemocratsAgainstUNAgenda21.com and PostSustainabilityInstitute.org and print out flyers. You can print a hundred flyers out for about six bucks, two-sided flyers. And, you know, get out there in the morning and walk them around your neighborhood. Put them on doorsteps. Um, this is, you know, this is our responsibility. We are not stakeholders. We are human beings who live in whatever town or city we live in. And this is a plan that relies on um, support. Uh, and because we're all so busy, we, there are people who speak for us and say that they support this plan. The plan uses it, it you know, they need community buy-in, so they create it. And they use nonprofits, they use civil society, unelected boards, and they actually create neighborhood groups. And uh, they use nonprofit groups that act as sort of a bottom level of bureaucracy. That's how the plan is implemented. They use nonprofit groups that then will pressure government. They're, the nonprofit groups are funded by major corporate foundations that also fund politicians, and it's a big cycle that the human beings, uh, you know, the so-called electorate is left out of. And we never even know that this is going on. Yeah, the famous NGOs, non-government organizations, you know, you have no say because they're not part of the government, but they're the ones in the middle instigating all of this. But we have to take our one and only intermission. But before we, we go, just leave you with a thought, folks. When you use the word smart lately, I've been suspecting the word smart being so prevalent lately that it's giving me a negative visceral reaction, Rosa. And you go into this in the book, and I'd like you to discuss it when we come back. You know, when you think of smart meters, smart tra uh, trains, smart codes, smart food, smart growth, smart cards, smart grid, smart home, smart yard, and so on. Just run away from that word. Now, how can people buy this excellent book and learn more about Agenda 21, Rosa? Well, uh, you can, of course, get the book uh, Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda 21. You can get it uh, from our websites, uh, Democrats Against UN Agenda 21 or Post Sustainability Institute. Uh, the book's also available on Nook, Kindle, it's on Amazon, and uh, Barnes and Noble. So um, get the book. It's a short book, easy to read, and a great book. It's been I'm, I was very happy. It became a very popular book, and uh, a lot of people have given it to their elected officials. Um, it's something that we need to do is, is educate ourselves and each other and others, especially as the electorate. And I'm so happy to have my special guest, Rosa Corey, here. I love to have people who have been attacked. And I know you've been attacked because I've seen some of those attacks. And as they say, the flag is always over the target. So you must be doing something right. Folks, don't go anywhere. So much more to discuss when we come back. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas.
We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important interview. To listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Enjoy. Enjoy. 